0: Hey, lady, welcome to Pouring Out Perfume Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Wilcox. Today I have Miss Joni Topper on. She is a pastor's wife, a mama, a grandma, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a speaker, and she has Morning Glory Ministry with Joni Topper, which is an excellent resource for those of you wanting to grow your faith. And you can also book Joni there as a speaker and read a little more about her books and her music. I'm excited for you guys to be here and for you to hear her story and how she was able to really hone in on her faith at seven years old. Enjoy this episode. Be encouraged. Let it give you hope. We'll see you soon. Good morning, Joni. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy that you are here. I love reading all about you. I am so excited that I get to know you a little bit more. And I absolutely want to start with, because I think it's incredible, your Morning Glory ministry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to tell you about that.
1: I want to tell you where it came from first. So Morning Glory ministry comes out of a story in Exodus chapter 16. So the children of Israel are complaining because that's what we people do. Mm -hmm. We like to complain. Yes, we do. Yes, they'd left captivity in Egypt a mere two months before, and they've watched all the plagues. They've watched the miraculous, you know, deliverance of them from captivity. They've walked across on dry land where they should have been, you know, in the water, in the Red Sea. And they're moaning, and their moaning sounded like this. This is directly from the scripture. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. <laughs> I would draw a dramatic effect in there, of course. But even as they're complaining, God's listening to them, and He listens mm-hmm. to us too. Then God explained to Moses that he was going to rain down bread from heaven, and he instructed the people to gather only enough for each day, just for one day, except on the sixth day when they could gather enough for the Sabbath. So God was testing to see if the people would follow his simple instructions. Even while they were complaining, he took care of them. And then he told them in chapter 16, verse 7, he said, and in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. So the goal of this ministry is to help people see the glory of the Lord, to trust his faithfulness and know that his mercies are new every morning. But here's the funny part. He's making me trust his mercies, too. (laughs) Yes, he's making me walk that out. Yes, he's making me. For instance, earlier this week, I was scheduled to make a little short presentation at the last gathering of a big Bible study in a nearby town, and I wanted to take my books and make them available for the women to purchase. Actually, yesterday was the book launch, and so I thought, how perfect I can take my brand new books, except that my books had not arrived at the post office. The book is Life in the Estrogen-Free Zone, Humor and Heartfelt Wisdom for Boy Moms. So on the way, I thought I'll stop by the post office one more time and check. And sure enough, they were there. And as I'm hauling the the boxes of books out to my car, I'm laughing and saying, God, you are giving me one more example to share about this message that we have to trust you. I didn't totally trust you that those (laughs) books would get here. So my ministry actually began in an unusual way. I retired from a 30-year postal career. And when I retired, I intended to pursue my music interests. I've been writing music and recording music. I've got several CDs out. And I just thought when I retire, I will dive into my music career big time. And also, I was really looking forward to spending a lot of time with my mom, who lived six hours away from me for 30 years. But here's what happened mom died five months before I retired. She was healthy as she could be. And in 12 short days, she got sick and died. Oh, Johnny, I'm so And sad. then, yes, that's a whole other story. It was a mm-hmm. precious, if you could tell a story in a Hallmark movie about losing your mother, my loss of my mother was like a Hallmark movie. It was so precious. But mm-hmm. still, the end result is mom's gone. Mm-hmm. And it. One month after she died, my musical brother that I had worked with for over 20 years and done written music with and recorded with, he decided to take his music a different direction. So here I am. I'm finally retired. My mom is gone and my musical partner is gone and I'm standing there with empty hands and I'm so frustrated. I had this all planned out. So my friend, Jane Rubietta, who has written numerous books and is a prolific speaker called, and she invited me to a speakers and writers conference she was offering near where I lived. And I said, Jane, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. She said, yes, you are, Joni. You're a, you're a songwriter. You're a storyteller. And I said, how about if do you need music? I'll come do the music for your conference. No, no, Joni, we've got the music covered. So I thought, okay, I'll go hang out with a bunch of Christian women. How can that go wrong? Okay. Right. At the time, I'm reading a book called Do Hard Things, written by Alex and Brett Harris, who were two young men, and they decided that they were going to create a teenage rebellion against low expectations. So they are teaching young people how to launch into adulthood as responsible. Doers, not sure. just bystanders. Okay. And I decided that maybe I could apply this principle into aging well. And I thought, I'm going to age into my faith walk rather than aging out of my faith walk or aging out of my service. I'm going to do hard things in my old age. They're talking about doing it in your teens and young adult life, but I thought I can take that principle and, and apply it to my whole life. So during that conference, I realized that God was preparing me for the next chapter in my life. And, oh, by the way, the musician that that was doing that conference couldn't stay the whole time. So I got to do part of the music, too. This happens to me all the time. God (laughs) says, no, I'm taking you this direction. But all that music you've been preparing all these years, you still get to do that, too. Mm -hmm. So he keeps giving me the desires of my heart. I could choose from. Lots of testimonies, but the one that first came to mind is an incident that happened when I was a teenager that really shaped my faith walk. So I became a Christian when I was seven, and I was serious about being Jesus girl from the time I became a Christian. I'm 16 now. I wake up one night and I'm shivering and half awake, pulling the covers up around my neck in the dark of my cozy bedroom. And I realize it's not morning yet, but I've had this strange dream that really rattled me from my sleep. In my dream, I laid an ice egg and I'm thinking, laying there half awake, thinking that is the weirdest thing. Where in the world did that come from? I have not visited a barnyard. I've not been with chickens. (laughs) Why, Why would I dream that I laid an ice egg? I mean, the cold of the egg almost burned my skin. And in a private place, and I winced at the thought. I was a very innocent young woman. I had never been touched in those places. Right. Uh-huh. But my sister's bedroom shared a wall with me, and we always left that door open. And so I was laying there thinking about this, and I could hear my sister Becky stirring in the next room. And she all of a sudden began to scream. We're talking blood curdling, top of your lungs, terrified scream. I'd never heard before. And she unbridled. She just shook the walls. She just kept screaming and screaming. So I'm sitting up to see what scared her. And I watched this man run from her room through mine and out of the house. He had been sitting beside her, touching her with his cold hands. And I realized in that instant, as time stood still, that's why I had that dream. He had been touching me too. So I felt violated, like my purity had been stolen. I was terrified. We lived in a small community of about 80,000 people. And if somebody asked me back then, I would have told them we didn't even lock our house. Right. I realized after this incident that my dad always locked the house up. But dad was out of town that night. My dad was a reserve deputy sheriff in the county. I always felt safe. I mean, thinking about crime prevention made about as much sense to me as thinking about Smokey the Bear. Right. You know, the bear was somber and catchy, but we didn't live in a forest. (laughs) So we didn't worry about forest fires and I didn't worry about safety. So. In the days that followed, fear like gripped me, and I watched despair just eat at my dad. His ability to provide a safe environment for his family held paramount importance to him, and he mm-hmm. felt helpless. I'd never seen him be anything less than capable, and I felt sad that he was tormented and didn't want to be permanently scarred from the incident myself. This like palpable unrest settled into our home. Mm -hmm. Where safety had never been a question before, and my ability to fall asleep disappeared. You know, I'd been a Christian since I was seven, and I decided in that moment, if my faith doesn't make any difference in life, if it doesn't make a difference in these situations, it's not faith at all. And I thought, I don't want my decision to follow Christ to be wimpy and empty, Mm -hmm. so I've got to let him help me chart deep water. By this time, I understand that God wanted my relationship with Him to grow, not just stay in a compartment that opened on Sundays and holidays. And I realized anything that's alive is in a constant state of change, and I wanted my faith to be alive. But I also understood it was going to require some effort on my part. So deciding that only God could help me escape this fear, I propped up with my Bible in bed one night. I knew the Word of God was supposed to offer answers, but I didn't know where to look. And I just prayed. I said, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'd heard people say they found answers to their problems in the Bible, but it seemed like such a daunting task to find some story Mm -hmm. that would fit my situation. It felt like a tipping point in my life, and I wasn't willing to live in that fear. But my own efforts to calm and relax myself were not working. So I opened my Bible with no deliberate intention other than seeking help from God. And I began reading about David hiding from Saul and his army. And as I read this story, I understood the despair that David must have felt. I mean, his safety hung in the balance for a long time. And he proved his loyalty to King David, and he still found himself treated like an enemy. And he was, I mean, it was terrifying. Three thousand of the king's men were trying to kill David. And I'm reading this story, and I'm feeling frustrated because David's fearing for his safety just like I did. And I thought, maybe this is not where I need to be reading. So I closed that story, and I flipped over to Psalm and started reading. I knew enough about the Bible to know that David wrote many of the Psalms. Even Mm -hmm. so, it took me by surprise when I read his words in Psalm 4.8. He said, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And those words just popped off the page. I shook my head in wonder. It was like of all the words in this huge book, I found a story about someone else living in fear, a fear substantiated by their experiences. And yet David said he knew God would protect him. That psalm branded my heart and planted a whole new understanding of the goodness of God deep in me. If David could lay down and sleep while Saul and his army sought to kill him, I could lay down and sleep too. David decided to trust God, and I would decide to. I could entrust my peace of mind to God, just like David. So no one saw me make this decision. I don't remember talking to anyone about it. Maybe my sister at some point, but it still remains one of the most pivotal points of my entire life. From the moment I decided to let God be my comfort, I learned firsthand that his trustworthiness is authentic. Let's face it. Life bombards us with all kinds of situations from which we have to recover. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they happen to us. Sometimes they happen because of us. I've had some of them happen because of me. (laughs) But I've learned learned that how we deal with those circumstances determines whether or not we rest. From a place of rest, I'm much more likely to make wise decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm much more likely to recognize the joy in my life and encounter those around me from a place of kindness and compassion. When I'm rested, I can welcome people and situations rather than using all of my energy to protect or defend myself. Mm -hmm. When I replace fear with resting in God, it brought a calm throughout my whole life. From that moment on, bedtime became a time of renewal, not a time of terror. But I had, just like David, I had to trust God. I can tell you stories of God's faithfulness for hours. Just last night, I was teaching teenagers at our church and God reminded me again that I don't just get to tell people to trust him, that I have to exercise my faith too. And, and it came up in this. Uh, we were doing a little exercise about the scriptures that say, if you do this, then this will happen. Mm-hmm. And one of them that came up was John 11. And it, It's Jesus' words. It says, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Mm. So this is a lesson that we will spend a lifetime learning. Believe me. Follow me. These are the things that Jesus said to his disciples over and over. And if they were important words for Jesus to stress to his disciples, then, then they're important for us, too. He says over and over. Believe me. Follow me and you will see the glory of God. Yes. So that's kind of where I am. God has opened opportunities for me to have stories in two books just in the last few months. One of them is called Sage, Salt and Sunshine. And it is women inspiring women with insight, truth, light and joy.
0: And I like this. it's,
1: It's a great one. I have a story in there about one of my... 80-year-old friend, actually, she's 84 now, year old friend, something that happened to her when she was young. And I have stories in there about my mom, who was an amazing, godly woman. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i one of those very fortunate people that got to grow up in a household that embraced and lifted up Jesus from the time I was little bitty. And it's just really sets some, it sets some depth in my life from the, from a very young age. The other book that I got to put stories in is all about being a boy mom. It's called Life in the Estrogen-Free Zone, Humor and Heartfelt Wisdom from Boy Moms. And it just launched yesterday and it was number one on Amazon in several categories. Last night. Oh, you're kidding. Yes, the lady that put the book together was posting all this stuff, and it's like, oh, this is fun. There's (laughs) some really amazing authors in that book. I'm so honored to get to be among them. But the book that I'm working on, trying to get finished up right now, of my own, is stories from 28 years as a pastor's wife, watching what God does when people say yes. Very often, those yeses. Are to what seem like small things, but God values our obedience so much, He does big things with our little obedience. And Absolutely. Just wonderful stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to getting that finished up too.
0: Well, it sounds like you are just rocking and rolling. I love to see all of this. Joni, it's, it's incredible.
1: It's so fun. It yeah. is
0: so fun walking with Him. Oh, because I, I'm still intrigued by this. I just have a couple questions. Okay. Was the man who came into the room ever found?
1: He was a neighbor kid that lived down the street. He had a drug problem. Okay. He actually came on the premises of our household another time. My sister was sleeping in a pop-up camper in the driveway one night. And he cut a hole in the pop-up camper and stuck his hand through it. And she's a brave little twerp <laughs> and come through and she bent his fingers back real bad <laughs> and
0: oh hurt, I love it hurt his fingers <laughs> and he went out a girl <laughs> oh good okay and, I was I was wondering I'm like oh no did we okay good so yeah he, he we identified who he was and I don't I think they
1: moved away shortly thereafter too
0: okay And then your dad, did he, your mom clearly had an amazing faith. Was your dad able to kind of overcome this and, and find his faith and security and forgive himself, quote unquote, which he didn't need to, but.
1: He did. He did a good job. My dad was one of these people that like mom would get mad at him because he didn't want to go to Sunday school, but dad would go down on the street corner where the, where the homeless hung out and he'd pick someone up and take them to breakfast instead of going to Sunday school.
0: (laughs) Right. We all have our. Yeah, that was his
1: ministry, yes. Um, so my dad was a he was a man's man who raised three daughters and did not know what to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> but he was
0: he was uh, he was not in fact in an estrogen free zone, was he? No, he was not. No, he wasn't. <laughs> so about that book, though. So I'm raising two girls, okay. and I have two sisters and then a younger brother. So. So women are just like my, and then clearly I'm I'm doing a podcast directed at women and I'm, I'm very pro women, but I have friends that have raised boys. It looks to me like a completely different world. Lots of physical activity. (laughs) Lots of, just a lot. Um, especially compared, Yes, tell me. I'm in this,
1: I'm the same boat because <laughs> okay. I'm one of three girls, all three of us girls. Our first rounds of babies were girls. Mm-hmm. My mother was one of three girls. All of her sisters had girls. <laughs> I mean, we did, when I woke up in the recovery room because my, my children were C-sections and the doctor said, look, you've got a boy. I said, Mm -hmm. a boy, but we don't know what to do (laughs) with those things. (laughs) Yes, it's a totally different world. It's a delightful world, but so is the world
0: of girls. Totally. Well, my mom says, and I'm sure it's true with my, my, I'm sure my friends say it too, but she's like, you know, the relationship between a mother and son is so different than a daughter and daughter and not bad, just completely different. So that's amazing that they wrote that book and that you've got some stories in there. Sounds like a good one.
1: They're great stories. My son grew up to be a very, very, very successful realtor in the hill country. And so recently I was in a Bible study in a in another community that had about 50 women. And one of the women was bemoaning some of her ordeals with her son. And I kind of shook my head and I said, oh, I'm right there with her, with your sister. I raised Rodney Topper. And about three or four women in the room went, and put their hands over their mouth and they said you're Rodney Topper's mother and I said <laughs> yes and one of them said I want to go to lunch with you I love him oh good <laughs> I didn't know if that I, was going to uh, be a good thing or a bad thing it, okay I, yeah. well I didn't either <laughs> It was a good thing. He loves people and he and he helps people all the time. So it's very fun being his mother. One of the stories in the book, the title of the story is so and so's mom. Because I said, you know, when you have children, you no longer need a name of your own because Mm -hmm. you're just so and so's mom. Yes, this is this is true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have just loved talking with you and getting to know you better. I knew you'd be a joy, especially as we were emailing prior to this. I'm like, oh, she's got energy. She's just a light. So I'm so glad you're here. I am too. I so appreciate the
1: opportunity to to share the stories of what God has done so faithfully in my life and continues to do. And Carrie Ann, you shared enough stories with me about your life to say he's building stories for you to tell to in your mm-hmm. ministry. And I'm so delighted about that.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. So much. I thank you guys for listening. And I hope you're encouraged. And I hope you share with a friend or a family member or whoever about Joni and her story and the stories in her books and everything she's doing with Morning Glory Ministry. I will have all the links. I will have everything in the episode description in case you want to get in touch with her. She's an amazing woman, as you can hear. Thank you guys for being here, and we'll see you in the next episode. Ladies, 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 if there are any of you that have wanted to start a podcast, thinking about it, getting your voice out there, using it as a platform in order to help others, I want you to listen to this. Please head on over to Stephanie Gass Podcast Course. Start a podcast in 30 days. She gives you step-by-step information, guiding you so easily along the way. Hey, look, if I can do it, you can do it. She is one of those amazing teachers that just helps it flow, helps you with technology, which I am not inclined. She also takes away the mess and the yuck of the social media game and the nonstop posting and blah, blah, blah. Listen, this course is for you. You head on down to the link that is in the episode description, click on it, and you'll get a deal through that. Clarifying your calling, which is how to really narrow down your niche for your podcast. And then you'll also receive podcast to pro university course. So two courses for one when you use that link. So go for it. Go out there, start your podcast. The time is now, my friends. And don't forget... There's always, always hope.